Hey, glad you're here. I want to start off the service this morning sharing some things with you, and then we're going to go into a uh, time of worship. And really um, felt like this week God was leading us to um, really think about God from a standpoint of, of who he is as a mender and a restorer, as a mender and a restorer. And uh, specifically, if you go to Ephesians chapter 4, I'm going to read a, a good bit of scripture here in the beginning. And if you can't flip there, you know, that's fine, right? Um, but I would encourage you as you uh, have a journal or maybe the DIY thing you may have been handed or saw as you came in the doors, I would encourage you, write these scriptures down. Um, anything that I talk about that jumps out at you, write them down so that you can go back later this week and spend time with that, um, processing it uh, and, and praying through it. So I'm going to go through a lot of scriptures. If you look at Ephesians chapter 4, we've talked about this a lot over the last few months. And there's one word in particular that we've, we've honed in on. And I want to do that um, again this morning to kind of get things going and, and to share with you what I feel like God's put on our heart for this morning. Ephesians 4 verse 11 says this, So Christ himself gave the apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers to equip. That's the word I want us to focus on, to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. And we've talked about this. We've talked about growing into Christ's fullness, that Christ gives us fullness, but we grow into fullness. But part of that growth is through equipping. I was reading something this week, and it was interesting that the guy who was writing this, he, he broke that word, the Greek word for equip, down and, and put them basically every place that it's used, it kind of fell under three different categories. And some of it's out of the New Testament. The New Testament, this is not to get technical and, and that kind of thing, but just so you can kind of grasp where I'm bringing some of this from. The, the New Testament was originally written in Greek. The Old Testament was originally written in Hebrew. But there is a translation of the Old Testament Hebrew that is in Greek. It's called the Septuagint. And so when you go and you look at the New Testament Greek and this word for equip, some of the places he pulled this usage from was looking at um, the Septuagint, the, the translation from Hebrew to Greek. And so some of what I'm going to read in the usage of this word is out of the Old Testament, okay? But it's, it's coming from the, the Greek translation of the Hebrew, okay? And so... I want you to think about this though. It's divided up into three different areas. The first one of those areas that we see is that it means to prepare or train, okay? To prepare or train. Um, typically what we would probably think about equip meaning, that we're, we're trained for something. That's the way it's used in Ephesians 4. We're trained, we're taught something. If we're gonna train someone, equip someone to use a computer, we sit down and we show them how to use a computer, they begin to learn how to do that. If we're gonna uh, teach someone to be a carpenter, then we sit down and we, or we, we go and we begin to teach them what they need to know to be a carpenter. We train them, we watch them do it, we show them how to do it. Um, then they are trained to go and do it themselves. We think about that with coaching or whatever. We are 
teaching, training people to, to do um, these different things. And so that's one usage of that as we see it in Ephesians chapter four. Another one though, that's pretty interesting is it's also used um, to speak about laying and establishing foundations. And so I wanna read a couple of passages out of the book of Psalms. If you wanna turn there, you can in Psalms uh, chapter 74 is where we're gonna go to first. If not, just write these down or something. Go back and look at these this week. Um, Psalm 74, and we're gonna read uh, verse 16. So Psalm 74, verse 16, it says, the day is yours and yours also the night. You establish the sun and the moon. And so another usage of this word for equip and another way to think about this is, is something being established, firmly put in place. Um, as the psalm is written, he's saying, you know, Lord, you established the sun and the moon. You put them in place. They are firmly placed. They are firmly established. And, and you put them there. So it's another usage of the word for equip. Another one is in Psalm 89. You want to flip over a little bit there. Psalm 89, verse 37. Back up to 35, we'll read 35 through 37. It says, once for all, I've sworn by my holiness and I will not lie to David that his line will continue forever and his throne endure before me like the sun. Listen, it will be established. The word there for equipped, it will be established forever like the moon, the faithful witness in the sky. And so what's he saying again? He's saying, listen, it's gonna be established, it's gonna be firm, it's gonna be put there, it's gonna be placed there. And so we see um, that this word is used for something that is firmly established or a foundation that is firmly laid, that's not gonna be shaken, it's not going anywhere. So to be equipped is to be trained, it's to be um, taught and, and uh, trained to be able to do something, but it's also to be established firmly, put in place. So it has that, that meaning also. The last one, which is where we really wanna focus today is that the word that is used there and means equip in Ephesians 4, it, it also uh, means to mend or restore, to mend or restore. And, and so if you look at the book of Ezra in the Old Testament, if you find 1 Samuel, 2 Samuel, 1 Chronicles, 2 Chronicles, you'll come to Ezra. And this is what it says in, in chapter four, verse 12. And in this, the, the Israelites, they have been in exile. They're coming back now to Jerusalem and they're beginning to rebuild the temple and they're working on the foundation and they're working on the walls. And it says this, as there's some people who are opposing them and these people who are opposing them have written letters to this king called Artaxerxes. And what they wrote, a part of what they wrote is in verse 12, it said, the king should know that the people who came up to us from you have gone to Jerusalem and are rebuilding that rebellious and wicked city. They are restoring the walls and repairing the foundations. The word for restoring, um, the same word used for equip. So it has a meaning of restore. Um, flip over to uh, Psalm again, the book of Psalms 68 verse nine. It says, you gave abundant showers, O God, you refreshed your weary inheritance. Refreshing, it's the same word, to refresh, um, to restore, to, to bring back to um, wholeness. 
completeness, life. One of my favorite ones is this next one, Matthew chapter 4. If you look there, Matthew chapter 4, verse 21, Jesus is calling his first disciples. It says, going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John. They were in a boat with their father Zebedee, preparing. That's the word there for equip, preparing their nets. Jesus called them, and immediately they left the boat and their father, and they followed him. And so what's taking place here? What's happening? Uh, In this, they'd been fishing. Their nets were damaged from fishing. They needed to be restored. They needed to be mended. Why did they need to be mended? So that they could do what they were created to do. Why did the walls of the temple and the foundations need to be mended, need to be laid, need to be established, need to be restored so that they could do what they were created to do? Oftentimes when we think about mending and, or we think about equipping, we think about the training, we think about um, the foundation needing to be laid. We need a solid foundation on Christ, understanding who he is what he's done, who we are in him. We think about those things, but it's easy when you think about equipping many times to just jump over the fact that we're all broken people who need to be mended and restored. And here's the thing, for me, it's kind of challenging to look at that because a lot of times I'm just kind of more the type that I'm like, let's get trained, let's get a foundation and let's go. And we gotta be careful with this because God does use broken people, right? But God also mends and repairs us. And as we're mended and repaired, as we grow in our faith, as God is raising us up, we become even more useful in his hands. And so he meets us where we are, but then he begins to mend, restore, heal. He begins to raise us up to be all that he's created us to be, to grow into the fullness of who he's designed us to be. And like any good parent, he doesn't want his children broken. I don't want that for my children. I want them to be whole. And God desires the same thing for us. So when we look at this, I want you to think about today and really open your hearts to the God who mends and restores the God who heals the brokenhearted. For some of us today, listen, we need to realize that God has not shunned you because of your brokenness. It's easy for us to think about this if we've got an issue or a struggle and it's easy for us to come to this place where we feel like, well, God's completely removed himself from this. He, he, he either can't fix it He doesn't want to fix it. He doesn't want to mend it. He doesn't want to restore it. He's given up, so I give up too. That's not the God we serve. If that were the God we serve, wouldn't he have stopped a long time ago? And yet he hasn't quit pursuing you yet. He is faithful. The challenge for us in being mended and restored is to humble ourselves and come to him, laying ourselves before him, admitting that we need to be restored. That's really the challenge. Every one of us, whether it's how we see God, how we see ourselves, how we see others, how we see our purpose, every one of us in here has some area of our life 
that needs to be mended and restored. We have some area of our life that we need to have a second thought that corrects the first one. It may be an incorrect way of seeing God. It may be an incorrect way of seeing ourselves. It may be an incorrect way of viewing other people. It may be an incorrect way of viewing the reason that I exist and walk the face of the earth. But this is what I can tell you. Every single one of us in here has some area of our life, of our heart, of our mind, of our thinking that needs to be mended and restored by having a second thought that corrects the first one. I, I felt led to share this this morning and so I'm going to, some of you've heard a lot more of the story than I'm gonna share. So if you have, then bear with me. But you know, there were several years of my life, probably close to five years of my life that I walked in a very dark place. It wasn't before I was saved. It wasn't when I was saved working in the roofing business. It was when this church was growing the most. When it was just taking off and from the outside, it's funny because people from the outside oftentimes think that everything's perfect. And when you would think I would be celebrating the most, it was the time when I was the lowest. It was dark. I was in a deep depression. To get up every morning and put one foot in front of the other was the best that I could do. I lived in this place of fighting condemnation constantly because I felt like I couldn't be the, the father I needed to be. I couldn't be the husband I needed to be. I couldn't be the pastor I needed to be. I couldn't be the friend I needed to be. I couldn't be the leader I needed to be. And day after day after day, getting up, just trying to take one step was all I could do. And I went through all of this. I mean, days where honestly, if you had said, hey, today's your last day, I'd have been like, cool, good. And some of you believe this lie too, and you're wrestling with this, that I got to a place where I thought everybody around me would be better off if I weren't here. And I know I'm the preacher, right? And the joy of the Lord is your strength, but I'm telling you, I was in a bad place. I did my best and, and I, I remained faithful to do my best, but it was hard. It was a very, very, very dark season of my life. One day I was reading and, and I'll just be very honest and transparent with you that I, I'd been to doctors, um, psychiatrists, therapists, um, still go to a psychiatrist about twice a year. So yeah, I'm probably crazy, but that's okay. But during that time, those five years, if I had a 50 gallon drum, I could fill it up with different medicines I tried. And if you're one of those people that, you know, thinks mental illness is all spiritual, listen, there is a deep spiritual root to much of it, but that's not all that's in play there, okay? Then, and, and you don't think like Christians should ever struggle with this or then, you know, 
I'm not holy enough then, I guess, but that's okay. But you could have filled up a 50-gallon drum with the different things I tried. To be completely transparent, I still take some medicines. Just something that right now is necessary. Every now and then I back down on it, and then sometimes I have to go back, and then, you know, I keep trying. I keep praying, keep walking. But during this time, nothing was helping. Sometimes I'd take something and I'd get a little bit of relief and two weeks, three weeks, two months later, I was back to that same place. It was challenging, it was hard. If not for faith and my family and how much I love my wife and kids, I probably would have checked out. I was reading in scripture um, where it's talking about King Asa one morning. And King Asa says at the beginning of his life, he trusted in the Lord. And when there was a battle or a war was about to be fought, he would trust God and God would deliver him and he would defeat his enemies. But it said towards the end of his life, when a battle would come, it said Asa would go and he'd begin to call in these different armies and he'd pay these armies to come and fight the battles. And so he began to not trust in the Lord. And I'm reading this and it said that later in Asa's life that he had a disease in his feet. And it says that even during that time, he never turned to God for help. He only sought the advice of doctors. And when I read that, it hit me right in the face that that's what I had done. I'd never come to a place where I cried out to God to help me. I'd prayed for everybody else. I'd prayed for other people to be healed. I'd prayed for um, other people with even the same issues that God would intervene on their behalf. But I realized I'd never prayed, God, will you heal me? It felt selfish. It felt wrong. It felt like I should just be able to get it together. Just pull yourself together and get going and I couldn't and when I read that that day I just began to pray a simple prayer guys I started praying this and I still pray it often Lord heal me physically heal me spiritually heal me mentally heal me emotionally and it didn't happen overnight and I'll tell you a huge part of this As I began to understand more of God's truth, I found that scripture is true, that God's word is like medicine to my bones. As I began to understand more about who he is and who I am, things began to help me. But it wasn't overnight that I I was just healed and restored. It was this process that I'm still in of God continually healing and restoring and mending me. And I would not go back, guys, and do that five years again for anything. I don't know that I could make it through it again, to be honest with you. But the things I learned about God and about myself from that time have served now as God has mended and restored to give me the, such a better place to live in. And here's the crazy thing. The circumstances around me haven't changed. God's changed me. 
right? And so here's the thing I want to share with you. And this is why I tell you that. It's because some of you are in the same place. I believe, listen, there, there is a deep spiritual root to a lot of this. It was with me. There's also some physical aspects of these things that are real. I share this for those of you who find yourself in a similar spot. Don't quit stepping. The only way you don't come out of this is if you stop. I share this also for the others of you who that might not be your issue, but let me promise you this, you have one. And I wanna encourage you, don't quit stepping. Keep pressing on. Come to the God who mends and restores. So many of you, so many of us are carrying things around that we're not meant to carry. You're carrying the burdens of this world. We need a second thought to correct that one. Listen, our life isn't wrapped up in things. Our life isn't wrapped up in others' opinions. Our life is found in Christ in knowing him and being known. And today, I don't know what's in need of mending and restoring in your life, but I wanna encourage you that we don't walk out of here the same way we came in. I wanna encourage you that God is here. The last time we did kind of a worship and prayer time, we, we focused it in on the fact that God dwells with us. I wanna encourage you that God dwells amongst his people. God dwells in his people. My challenge to you is this, don't let today in this time go by when you're surrounded by people who have the same pursuit of God or should have the same pursuit of God when we can pray for one another, we can walk with one another, we can encourage one another. Don't let the day go by without coming to the God who mends and restores, without allowing people to pray for you, without allowing people to encourage you. And we're gonna worship and we're gonna sing to God. And listen, for some of us, we need to humble ourselves enough to admit I need God to work in my life. I can't carry this anymore. I can't fix this. How many of you know if you could have fixed you, you would have done it a long time ago? And today's not gonna be a silver bullet. It's not gonna be a magic bullet that, that all of a sudden I, I came to the altar, I was prayed for and bam, it was all better. You're gonna be in a process for the rest of your life. But let this be either the beginning of the process or let this be another step in the process of God bringing you to fullness in himself. I'm gonna be a little bit like a coach. I've coached some teams through the years. I don't know how good of a coach I am, but I wanna be a little bit like a coach this morning. And I wanna challenge you. I wanna push you, nudge you a little bit this morning to not stop short. A good coach, he, he, takes, he takes good players and he makes them great. I wanna 
I want to encourage you. I want to push you. I want to nudge you this morning to not stop for what's okay with God, to not stop with what's all right, to not stop with I'm doing pretty good. Come to God and let him work in your heart so that he begins to take you again from glory to glory. Working and transforming and healing and mending. I want to pray for us. I want, in fact, I want to give you just a few few minutes, a few moments to right now, just invite God to work in your heart. He dwells amongst us. He is here. Invite God to work in your heart. He is here today. Just take a minute and invite him to do that. Ask him to come and work in you this morning.